Hello everybody, hello masses of your own destiny. What's going on? Welcome back to my basement. I'm Francisco Suarez, your host, and this is from Suarez Basement, a podcast that we have created especially for everybody. And when I say everybody, is everybody who is out there who is interested in the communication media and the art. If you're in love with visual storytelling, this is a podcast for you. We have conversation with those experts behind some of your favorite TV shows and films and musicals and plays. You name it, we have it here in the basement. And if you want to hear past episodes, it's very easy. You just go to our website, which is www.fsbasement.com, and you can access our uh, library with all the episodes from uh, different experts in these fields, directors and producers and actors, you name it, they are all there. And if you are a faculty or a student who want to learn more about these fields, it's a great tool called their uh, teaching resources where you can go and uh, find some lectures with each of those episodes. Again, www.fsbaseman.com. And today we are among royalty. Yes, the reason why I say this is because we have the custom designer for the new hit TV show in Netflix, Queen Charlotte, is in the basement. Lynn Paolo is waiting for us in London to have a conversation. She's an Emmy Award winning for her work as a custom designer in the West Wing. She's also behind the custom design for the amazing, also very integrated show about character development and custom inventing Anna. So talking about having an expert in the basement, I want to also say thank you to WCNY, PBS in Central New York for the partnership. It seems to that partnership that we can come to you every other week. So let's start this new episode from Suarez Basement right away. Here we go. Uh, Lynn, I want to welcome you to my basement. Lovely to meet you and thank you for including me. No, it's a pleasure, and thank you for taking time of your busy schedule and, and have time with us. Lynn, uh, let's start from scratch in the sense of, I'm very curious to pick your mind regarding to creativity and the process that you go through when you get a new project. So explain to me a little bit like, okay, you get, for example, a project like uh, Queen Charlotte or Inventing Anna. How do you approach creatively a new character, a new TV show or film that you're working in? I've, I've said this a few times, and I think I think it's possibly the same for most costume designers or most creative people in that you start a new show, you read the script, and all of a sudden you're presented with a new world. And I always think of it as creating a world, which is what we do, um, along with production design and, of course, the words on the page. And I'm very fortunate to work with amazing writers like Shonda Rhimes and John Wells. Um, so you start with that word on the page and then you start thinking, okay, let's say, for instance, in the case of Anna Delvey, that's a real person. She's a real person. And you do a deep, I always do, a very, very, very deep dive into research. And the same is true of Queen Charlotte. So I always start with, again, another real mm -hmm. person, a real human. <clears throat> so you research, 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 um, do your mood boards, <clears throat> come up with your palette, talk to the director, talk to the writer. 
and sort of for me it, it's a very thoughtful time I spend a lot of time alone in a room really wrapping my head around who is this person how, how do I want to project this human and what is it that what she's wearing says about her or him mm -hmm. and how should this whole world be populated and I really do spend a lot of a really long time on my own just generally putting my head inside that world and people think that's strange because I, I get very quiet and very thoughtful and everyone's running around buzzing you know getting everything ready for the department to open but I need that time to wrap my head around it. And then, you know, then you present your sketches and you start pulling fabric. And it's such a collaborative medium film. You know, I may have my thoughts, but Shonda might have her thoughts. But it's always shared with joy. We're always sort of living off each other's brains in a way, sort of that creative energy that comes from working with people who are so smart and so creative in their own right, including the actors that you sort of start spinning all the information in your mind. And then that translates to the sketches and then, and then to the, the costumes. Mm -hmm. So I would say for me, everything has to start from research and just being mindful of, of the work of what you're trying to create. Of course, of course. And, and I'm very curious. I always ask this to my, my guests because I think it's a lot of students who listen to these podcasts and listeners in general that always see experts like you far away in the distance. I mean, like, it's like magically you go there, right? And that's not how it mm. happened. Mm -mm. I, and I always love to go back to your childhood and your teenager years and how suddenly Lynn you realize, oh, wow, I'm I, I not only talented in this, but I really love the process of creating costumes for a character. Do you remember mm -hmm. a moment uh, in the past where that happened? You know, it was, I had a different path and it was a path that for me, I was very, in my younger years, um, shy of discussing because I didn't think it was the right path. So for me, I actually always wanted to be an educator. I didn't, I grew up in a coal mining town in the Northeast of England. It's now a city, Sunderland. Um, I'm a coal miner's daughter. I didn't know anything about film. Um, I knew I loved film. I mean, if any extra money I had was used to go to the movies. I was obsessed by the movies. I was obsessed by television. Um, And I loved the beauty of it, but I just didn't really know this world existed. And then I went to university and got involved in the drama department. I was an English literature major and we did all these productions that are quite obscure. I think here sort of like, you know, sections of Chaucer and Gamma Girton's Needle and these, you know, things that are not produced generally, except in England, maybe. Um, and I... <clears throat> The, the drama teacher always wanted me to act and I hated it. And so I sort of pitched to be behind scenes and ended up being the lighting director and the costume designer and fell into it there, but still didn't really want to be in this world because um, I didn't really know it. And then I moved to Los Angeles with my husband and um, because he did want to be in this world and he, he still is in this world in the camera department and um, slowly worked my way up, um, not still not knowing what I wanted. But after being on set 
for a while as a P I was a PA and a production, mm -hmm. you know, I did craft service. I did all those things and slowly was drawn into costumes. So I learned on the job. I don't have a formal education in costume it. design. I love it. And again, if you're hearing, listen from the experts, right? You need to pay your duties and you need to go on and, and swim in the pool and, and learn how to swim and, and you will get there. You you have to get there. By yeah. And thank you for saying that, because I want to say to you and to your students that I meet so many young people because I do mentor a lot of people because I mm -hmm. still consider myself an educator and I do try and teach and my are. crews. And most of my crew, I will tell you, are people that started with me as as production assistants. So we help people to move up. That is the way to do it. You learn your craft. And I don't just mean in college, learn your craft, start at the bottom. When everyone rushes in and wants to, you know, do my job right away, right out of the gate. Well, if you're sort of like a savant, if you're Tom Ford, maybe, mm. but most people, I, you really have to learn your, your craft. And my advice to everyone is, you know, spend some time learning how everybody does their job. Because as the boss, you can't tell people what you would like unless you know what they're going through and what the, and what their job is. I mean, I worked on the set. I was a, a, a costume supervisor. I slowly made my way up in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a great gift to have as a designer. Because I do understand for instance, what our onset people are going through when they're having mm. a tough day. Mm. Well, and it creates respect for you, right? If I know you're wearing my shoes in some point, I know what you're telling me is because you actually live that experience. So I think exactly. when, when there is no jump in the process, you own and, and the respect of the people that work with you. And that is I agree, 100%. And, and Lynn, I have a question. So um, relationship between characters and costumes because um as a lover of visual storytelling I'm, I'm in love with visual storytelling that's where i have this podcast i teach script writing for television where we develop characters and and i always found incredibly powerful the relationship that exists between a character and what that character wear uh tell me a little bit about how is that relationship between you the actors and the actual process of character development You know, I think that is my favorite part of the job. So I always tell people that I want to write a book at some point that's called In the Fitting Room or The Fitting Room. For me, that moment in a fitting room between a costume designer and an actor, it's sort of a very private thing. A lot of discussions happen. Um, people come into that room, I'm sure with trepidation. I'm sure it's not easy to come into a room with a complete stranger. I couldn't mm. do it. Mm. and take your clothes off and be vulnerable and be open. And then the discussion, you know, has you've had discussions before that moment. But I think in, in that room is where the magic happens. Mm. Because before that point, you can come up with any kind of image or construct that, you know, works for the project. And I know a lot of people who stick to that in a rigid way, like this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. I don't like to work that way. I like to have an idea in my head of, you know, this is how I feel Queen Charlotte should look. But then in the room with India, we have really very in-depth, serious conversations about how do we project her feelings in a moment? Who is she when she first finds out that she's 
going to be married to George, but then what happens when she finds out about the madness or, or whatever ailment George has? No one really knows. Um, so there are there are moments in in that fitting room where I think it's really a moment to be shared between the actor and the costume designer, and and that is something that uh, for me. I value Shonda Rhimes so much because when I come back to her and tell her what's happening in that room, she values that so much. She doesn't it, you say, but you've got to do this. Or you, she listens. It's really a conversation between Shonda and I and the actor and all three of us in it together, along with, for instance, Tom Verica, who directed all six episodes as an ex-actor, well, I mean, he still acts, but he's a director mainly now. He understands how valuable that private time is in the room with the actor, because that's the moment when a lot of actors, before they've gone to the set and before they've started, that is where they learn so much. And I had one actor um, call the room the confessional, you know, and that's what it feels like to me. Like you're, you're both bearing your souls and you're both sharing information that shouldn't then never be shared outside that room. For me, I never discuss what goes on in that room uh, other than sort of in, in this abstract way that we are talking now. But I think for a costume designer, that is the magic moment in that room when an actor turns to you and says, uh, this is it. This is who he is. This is who she is. I I have. I don't really have to do any work now. You've done it for me. That's a magic moment. That is so awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a conversation. That I'm enjoying this. You have no idea because I, I, that is the type of information that I think it is important to for people to hear and to have it. And talking about Queen Charlotte, which was a, an amazing uh, production story. I mean, it, it, all all the components. Are, are there and I remember I think it's the first episode second I, I don't I think it's first one in fact the wardrobe is a very important aspect of the episode because she doesn't want to wear that uh, wedding dress that is offered to her she wants to wear what she thinks is Ra's representation of her hmm. yeah I feel you know again I'm so fortunate in working with Shonda because um first of all she loves my world. She mm -hmm. absolutely loves fashion and costume design. Uh, and secondly, everything that's on that page came from her. Do you know that moment in the uh, carriage where Charlotte talks about the whalebone corset, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. That's all Shonda. You know, it is on the page. And then I'll write to her because I was in London and she was in, you know, in the States and say, okay, I'm thinking about this color because the carriage is this color. And I, can you change the you know, the rubies to sapphires, I think that'll work. But, you know, it's that dialogue. And then again, with with the two wedding gowns, which Shonda wrote in to the story, and, you know, in that moment of going over the wall, she's in the British wedding gown, and then she gets married in her wedding gown. For me, and I, I could be wrong, and this is something that Shonda might say, oh, Lynn, you're creating that in your head. But the two gowns were symbolizing the old ton and the new ton for me. And so I wanted the first gown to be, a, you know, very British and the second gown to feel very European in a way, sort of very, this is fresh, this is new. No one's worn anything like this before. So that was the task I gave myself. And, um, and 
And I, I'm not sure if that worked, but in my head, you know, I remember Tom Verrick, the director, saying to me, well, this gown's beautiful, too. <laughs> you know, you've made this gown so pretty. And I said, yes, but it wasn't about it being beautiful and not being beautiful because the, that whole British gown was covered in British iconography. And I've got a shout out to Tuan Lentes, who did the embroidery for me, for us. I mean, that whole hem is covered in, you know, Tudor roses, mm-hmm. you know, it, like it, it had so many images that were I, very I, British. Listen, as a viewer, I totally got it right from the get go. It's all on the new. Also, I mean, she's going to become the queen. So the, the British dress doesn't matter, need to be amazing because it's a queen dress, right? It cannot be exactly. a, a Cinderella moment from, from, you know, one thing to another one. However, when she appears in the scene, when she's going to walk the aisle, is breathtaking. It's like, wow, okay, this is a different... She came here to make changes. That's how I oh. interpret it with the dress. That's exactly right. And I think, and it's a very subtle thing, but and one side of the room was way more colorful than the other side of the room. You mean the guests, You could, there was a definite distinction that we tried to make between the old ton and the new ton. And... Um, and that's what those two dresses represented, I feel. Like, this is a fresh perspective. How many hours world. Uh, do you think, how many hours of work do you think are in, in, it's almost impossible to calculate? You know, the embroidery on the on the cape alone took days and days and days. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to say that the crew in in London, they are phenomenal artisans. Mm. Um, cause we were asking them to do things that were sort of impossible. Most of those gowns take around five weeks of manpower. And, you know, there were moments where because of production schedules and weather, and, you know, we were filming during COVID, there were so many parameters wrapped up and Anna O'Malley, our producer was so amazing, uh, at helping us to navigate the production, you know, schedule, um, yeah, at least there's at least five weeks, you know, 25 mm-hmm. days of work in each gown. And I think I would say that the the gown that was, you know, Queen Charlotte's that she brought with her was closer to seven or eight weeks worth of work. Mm. It's unbelievable. Well, you can see again in the in the screen, it's just fantastic work. And uh and of course, inventing Anna is a completely different breed, right? I mean, this is, however, the beauty of that project for you, I'm imagining, is that she was all about clothes. She was all about, look at me, look at, you know, the status that I have reached. Um, how was that process and working with uh, uh, inventing Anna? Uh, because I'm I'm very fascinated to, to, to learn a little bit about what kind of research you did and then mm. how you came with this, uh, I mean, amazing clothes, super cheap, super, you know, elevated clothes. Again, another really, really interesting project in that it was also another project about a person who exists out in the world. And unlike Queen Charlotte, where you have to rely on portraiture Mm -hmm. from the time, which, by the way, I think is the early Insta. Do you know, like all that portraiture was adjusted by the painters. None of it is quite real. Uh, it's sort of they had their own filters back then. Um, we had um, Anna's Instagram, which, by the way, had been taken down and didn't exist anymore. But we 
had some very clever people who were able through Anna's friends and other people that communicated her, with her during the time were able to piece together Anna's original Instagram because she had, you know, tagged other people. Anyway, again, so much research. We spent so much time um, looking at Anna because we had to create the wall, another wall in our story. So, you know, Anna's, you know, the crazy wall of trying to figure out who Anna is. So we reproduced all of those costumes. But then in addition to that, we actually tried to elevate Anna slightly. Our Anna was slightly different than the real Anna. She was very Rick Owens. She wore a lot of Rick Owens, amazing designer. But we wanted more variety with our Anna and also to create a different Anna. So there's the Morocco Anna. There's the Anna who's going to the bank to get money from Anthony Edwards. And then there's the Anna who's partying. So each of those, we talked all the time about which Anna is the real Anna mm. in the story. So that's why she has so many varied looks within within that story. Mm. And, you know, Julia, what an amazing partner to work with her on that. Um, so a very different show, but but the work starts at the same place with wrapping your head around who this person is and researching the person mm. in depth. Do you read the scripts? I, I'm assuming you get the scripts way, way before almost anybody else. Um, I guess my question is sincerely, but do you enjoy the process of reading the script? And do you have this moment where suddenly you say, oh, wow, this is a really good oh, story. Yeah. Like, you know, like that excitement of having in your hand something that can become a good story. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I, love getting the scripts I mean I then you know sort of hold myself away in my office I lock all the doors and I'm through the script I read it and then I go back and then I read it again and I start scribbling in the margins and then I read it again I mean I read it like six times in a row the first time I get a script and um I'm really fortunate to work with writers who write well do you know I mean I've gotten the lucky card here. Uh, yeah. I, I work with two of the best in the business and th the, the words on the page are amazing. And the, and then, you know, I, you, what the audience doesn't see are all the stage directions and the, you know, the asides of, and in this moment, how a person's feeling or what's happening in the periphery. So, I mean, the script is your roadmap, you know, mm -hmm. the, the script is how you get from A to B. And um, I will tell you on Queen Charlotte, I sobbed at my desk mm. reading those scripts. I mean, I was just like, oh, my God, you know, um, heartbreaking. It's, it's, well, yeah, I don't want and to I, say and too I, much. I, I you can't say too much, but I, yeah. I'm just saying I've watched it several times now. And God bless Tom Verica, the director, because boy, and those actors, oof. Brilliant, brilliant, because I think without without telling too much, and again, I invite all our listeners uh, and viewers to uh, go to Netflix, watch uh, King Charlotte. You will be uh, really impressed with everything in, in it, acting, uh, production design, uh, writing. But without telling too much, for me, the ending scene is so clever and so beautiful, well done because it wasn't about this triumph. Uh, you know, I was thinking, well, the writer could take the decision to end like with a ball and everybody is yeah. happy. And, but it's such an intimate moment between these two characters that is, is incredibly well written. 
Well, it's like, yeah, it's, okay. I think the word is poignant, isn't it? I mean, you can look at it from every side. Mm-hmm. Uh, being joyful, being sad. There, I mean, there are so many emotions mixed up in that show. And, you know, I just think it's it's one of those shows where you say, you know, there's lightning in a bottle because mm-hmm. everything came together so well. And in our business, that doesn't always happen. You know, you think, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is. Um, and I actually d- didn't know because Queen Charlotte was, you know, I came, I came off Bridgerton, went right to Queen Charlotte. And it, it was a, a, you know, living in London during COVID, it was, it was a challenging time mm-hmm. for anyone in any production. And it was also a very um, complicated show. You know, there are so many stories being told in that show and we're flashing between a couple of periods. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you never know. And then I watched it and I literally, you know, they have this word back in England, this phrase where you say you're gobsmacked, which means you're like so shocked. Mm. Um, and I wasn't shocked. I knew it was going to be great, but I just had no clue how great. I mean, I'm saying that me as a person who worked on it, but I'm very proud of it. You should, you should be very, very proud. You know, a lot of our listeners will ask a question, at least it's always in my mind after I watch a show that I fall in love with the costume design. Uh, what, where those costumes end after you guys finish? Uh, some of them are recycled for future shows. Uh, I'm assuming some of them will end in a museum, maybe. Uh, mm. But I think it's different on every single, the same way the design is different on every show. What happens to the costumes is very different. So for Inventing Anna, Netflix sold many of the costumes on the real reel. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the costumes were sent to their warehouse. For Queen Charlotte, everything went to storage at Netflix. And um, it was funny because this week, um, Netflix is, you know, in Los Angeles, everyone's doing the for your consideration moments because Emmy voting is coming up. Mm-hmm. And there was a big event that Netflix put on that they were gracious enough to invite me to. And I should say I'm very grateful for that. Um, and the gown, a lot of the gowns, well, I think seven or eight of the gowns were there. So it was lovely to see them again. Do you yes. know? Yeah. It's like they're old right. friends now. So they had them on mannequins. So, and, and I know for, for, the Bridgerton world, the gowns do travel around the world because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. lots of experiences and, you know, museums and of course. that kind of thing. So different for every show. So it's not like Lynn, you can call and say, hey, I want to wear this dress for, for Halloween. This, this, this coming. No, but they should start doing sort of a, <laughs> they should start doing a Queen Charlotte Halloween costume. Maybe they will. Who knows? Maybe it's beyond they, my pay grade. Maybe they will. Lynn, listen, I'm so glad that we could have this conversation. Like I say, I could hear, be here the whole day talking to you because you represent uh, some of my dreams as a child. I think when I uh, dress in my costumes to play Superman or Zorro, I used to play Zorro, which was a character. <laughs> from the, uh, I became the character. Right? The costume was what it, it, it validated to me. Okay, now I am this Superman or superhero. Exactly. Was. Exactly. Uh, it wasn't until I put the costume that I really feel like I was that character. Mm-hmm. So I always have been fascinated with that process of of acting and costume relationship with the actor, which is incredibly intimate and, and incredibly important uh, based, you know, what we have been talking today. 
Um, how do you want, and I, I, I think this is a very philosophical question to kind of wrap up our conversation, how Lee and Paolo want to be remembered, professionally or personally, both? Well, I'm a mom, first mm -hmm. and foremost. So, you know, that's always been my driving motivation in my life is my children. And so um, I would I would hope that I'm a good leader mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, my professionally, I actually I said to someone quite a famous, another famous actor who was saying to me, oh, my gosh, you could, should come with me and let's go do movies. And I had the option to go do that or stay home and be with my family. So for me. You know, my crew, my world, my everything is about family for me. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I don't worry about what people think of me in my professional career. I, the work stands for itself. And I just want to. I just want to be a good mom and a good leader for my crew. So I don't worry about any of that. I just that do the so best sweet. I can. I don't worry about it. That is so sweet. Well, I'm sure they will, you know. You, you will be remembered and I will remember you for many, many, many years after this also conversation that we have. Thank you, my darling. No, right, you take care and good luck. And I just say good luck to your students and just get out there and be you. And if you work hard, you know, you'll get there.